This is Integrating Technology, episode 49. Integrating Technology for a living. Integrating Technology for fun. Integrating Technology to help people get shit done. You're listening to Integrating Technology, episode 49. My name is Patrick Murray. Today on the podcast, we have Fred Lauks, CTO of Level 3 Audiovisual, and he takes us on his journey of monitoring AV systems from an IT perspective. He has some really interesting stories and great insights on how to meet this challenge and providing the kind of support expected from IT in an AV environment. Quick update from my side before we get started. We've recently released Service Node Desktop, um, which is a control and automation platform. You could also use it for monitoring applications as the middleware that we talk about in this podcast episode. It's a software program that runs on Windows, Linux, or Mac, and you could use it to serve end-user control interfaces. So you could have your Android tablet acting as a touch panel, serving up an HTML interface. And there's an internal messaging bus to connect the touch panel and all those different devices and react to things, send out emails, make automation workflows, everything you would expect from a control system. Uh, Completely free to use for up to three services or devices. And there's a tutorial at learnavprogramming.com that is also free and shows you how to use it. So if you're interested in finding an alternative, because we all know it's hard to get hardware at the moment, this just might be the ticket for you. So to learn more about that, how it all works, go to learnavprogramming.com slash control. I hope you enjoy today's interview with Fred Lauks. Welcome to Integrating Technology. My name is Patrick Murray. And today on the podcast, we have Fred Lauks. He is CTO of Level 3 Audiovisual. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Patrick. Great to be here. Thanks for joining us today. Um, to get started, if you could just give us a short two or three minute description of your journey, how you wound up in AV and what your current role is. I think that would be a good way to get things started. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Oh, wow. Uh, well, I think I got into AV the way I a lot of people get into AV, which is uh, through music. So I had a, a family full of musicians. I grew up in a family of musicians where I was basically the only person who was not <laughs> a multi-talented musician. So uh, I, I gravitated towards the technology side, trying to you know hook up all the equipment and maintain it for my dad and you know make him sound better. And uh, that took me into college where I studied theater. Uh, my got my bachelor's in theater, actually. And uh, spent a lot of time in technical theater, sound design, uh, lighting, visual effects, things like that, which is really, I think, where I developed the love for creating, creating, you know, an incredible experience for consumers of audiovisual products, right? I mean, the, the very best thing you can be as a sound designer is invisible, right? Completely unnoticed. That's how you know you're supporting the narrative. It's how you know you're creating an incredible experience for the, you know, for the audience, right? And eventually made my way from that into uh, something where I, I thought I could maybe leave a bit more of a mark and uh, better provide for my family. So I went over into commercial AV, which took me uh, through a commercial integrator and then into some large uh, Fortune 100 enterprises and uh, running some big global AV and challenging some really big scale problems, which is, I think, where I really started developing the passion for what I'm doing now, just trying to figure out big scale big technology and IT-focused issues in the AV industry. 
And now that's what I do for level three audiovisual. Thanks for that background. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, music comes up all the time as <laughs> yeah. the uh, the catalyst for launching people into a career in AV, yeah. uh, many different ways. So you mentioned uh, having a career in commercial and enterprise uh, types of deployments. What did you experience as a customer in this enterprise role? And now that you're a systems integrator, how, how are you bringing the lessons you learned from yeah. that <laughs> the integrator side of Absolutely. things? Absolutely. Uh, this exact point is actually why I came back to commercial systems integration and why I came back to the integrator side from being on the enterprise and customer side as we were solving such interesting problems and I was really tired of solving them only for myself. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that once I solve it, I want to go solve it for everybody, right? I, I don't want to just kind of keep it to myself and, and uh, only benefit my group of users. So, man, the, the biggest lessons I think were some pretty crazy expectations placed on me um, in my first enterprise role. I essentially walked into a, you know, a company with a global footprint, 40,000 users, 3,000 conference rooms. And uh, they were basically like, well, you're, the, you're it. You're the only guy. So you go figure it out. Make our AV program better. You know, fix it. It's on fire. <laughs> So you got to put the I in team. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, so it was it was fascinating. It was like this immediate understanding of how do I scale? You know, how do I how do I scale through any means necessary? How do I make every minute that I have count as you know hours, right, mm-hmm. in my job? Uh, and there were lots of great lessons taken from that. Uh, some very good lessons in outsourcing and um, third party program management, uh, which is a big part of what we do at Level Three Audiovisual. It's been a huge, successful uh, endeavor for us, essentially giving customers like the company I work for and in my role, this is what we created, is uh, I needed somebody to take all of the visibility of every project, every deployment, every initiative that was running anywhere in the world, all of this, all the contractor relationships, the partner relationships in every country. I needed somebody to take that <laughs> and be my eyes, right? Be my one hand to shake and, and focus on that stuff so that I could deal with the architecture, the lines of business, the leadership, the data, right? And any of the other, you know, day two technical operations, firmware updates, you know, across 12,000 devices. Uh, so the program management piece was a huge part of it uh, that was taken away from that. And I would say the other one is I had to learn a lot of programming. I, I had to learn Python. Like I had to learn utilities and tools so that I could make myself many. You know, um, I was at this company during the the pandemic, and we were running Skype for Business globally. Still, we were in a middle. We were just mm-hmm. starting our transition, and that escalated our transition to Zoom. And so we had to push out. You know, we had to enable three thousand rooms for Zoom. In like two weekends. Oh wow! And we did it. I did it like alone, pretty much. Uh, aside from some local checks on the various sites from like local IT, and it was all scripting. It was all programming. I had to write the program that was going to go out and and connect to, reconfigure, and do a test call with three thousand endpoints. Like so, those kinds of lessons. Uh, that was a, it. Was a huge, huge takeaway. Is how do you how do you make yourself many? How do you program your way through problems? And realizing that these AV devices, by and large, uh, that you can do more with them than you might think. 
um, from an administration perspective. Not, you know, I don't even really, I never really bothered too much with the control perspective. It wasn't about control systems or, you know, making sort of a user experience out of it. It was more about how do I administer these things? How do I push out an update? How do I mean, how do I test them? You know, how do I change a configuration uh, or any of those things at, at massive scale and keep consistency? Uh, and, and, you know, the ultimate challenge with all of that was, uh, how do I, you know, uh, great, I did those changes, but I still don't really have any way of getting visibility to all of that yeah. stuff across a global enterprise. And it was, it was really kind of my, my white whale, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Because the, the tools were missing yeah. or because the devices didn't provide a mix. The, uh, yeah. API a, for a mix, it. right. So the tools weren't there in the, I grew up in the AV industry, right? So I, you know, I looked at all the usual suspects and went, oh, you know, how do I do this? Right. Well, you know, this manufacturer has this tool and you only can see their stuff. And this manufacturer has this tool sure. and you can only see their stuff. This one's a desktop software that's meant to use broadcast discovery in a local subnet to find devices. And I'm dealing with, you know, 400 VLANs work. around the world. Like, uh, you know, it just yeah. wasn't, it wasn't scalable. Uh, it became a really big, really big challenge. Uh, to, to manage and, and administer systems like that at, at scale and, and to get visibility on them. Uh, started getting really creative, had to learn a lot <laughs> to make it happen. So in the end, it sounds like you had some kind of a solution. You, you, the problem wasn't unsolvable, yeah. but it also sounds like it, it wasn't, you, you needed to make a lot of compromise. Yeah. Well, accurate. what it came down to, and this is, this is uh, one of those unfortunate parts about being in a large organization, really any organization. And that is, even if you can solve it, you may not be able to implement it because, mm -hmm. you know, prevailing wins. So it's, you know, politics get involved, sure. funding gets involved, things like that. And so, I mean, I, I, I left that organization with a, an architected solution that couldn't get implemented um, due to timing and, okay. and, you know, vendor allegiances and things like that. Uh, and so it really, it really bugged me. And I was like, I, I, man, I worked for years at this yeah. and I couldn't, I couldn't get it across the finish line. Uh, and that organization still does not have monitoring in place almost, you know, two years later. Uh, and they were still working on the same solutions. It's not an easy problem to solve. It's a super difficult problem to solve. So I'm empathetic. Um, but it's, it's such mm -hmm. a challenge. It's huge contrast to the, the next company I worked with. Because they were already working on their in-house monitoring. They built it all from scratch. The in-house monitoring, in-house software, which is not un uncommon for that organization. Uh, but that was a very, very different approach. And it's one of the reasons why I, I left. Because I was like, well, you guys have already solved the stuff I'm super interested in. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I want to go back to what I was working on. But I want to do it for more than just myself more than just my company and the company you went to that was already working on a monitoring solution was that a technology owner or an integrator it was a technology owner yeah okay so the the business case like why was there not the roi why would one company go for it and the other not yeah it's that's an interesting one um contrasting my two companies that i worked for uh on the one hand there was a lot of desire for monitoring a lot of desire. It wasn't a desire for monitoring. You couldn't care less about monitoring. There was a desire to stop disruptions. That's the business case, yeah. right? You have to stop disruptions yeah. in meeting rooms because losing five minutes of productivity in a meeting room per week, you know, one meeting once a week uh, for a company that size, that's out to hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in lost productivity. 
it's extremely expensive at scale. So if you're like a four, you know, four conference rooms or, you know, 10 conference rooms or something like that, like you're, you're probably not going to get the, the value you want out of it. But when you're trying to scale out to, you know, thousands of, of rooms and tens of thousands of endpoints, uh, anything you can do to head off problems and solve them before they cause either disruption or political impact, it's, it's a real thing, right? Like yeah. you, know, you, you have a sure. meeting go out for the wrong person, uh, your day is gone, your week is gone, uh, and you're going to now deal with a stigma. You got you know the political pressure from it, uh, and you got to go fix it um, and you know regain trust. It's 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 very counterproductive to have a system go down and you not know about it and be able to get to it in advance. Uh, the broader business case, I mean, certainly the financial implications, but there's there's a lot. I mean, there's the the embarrassment, uh, the you know, damaged reputation that occurs, not just for you as the technology manager or the systems integrator, you know, mm. but to the customer who's using that system. When that room goes down, they're on the call. They're on the call, right? Yeah. Yep. And they're they're trying to land a big deal. They're trying to work something out. They're meeting with a legal team, whatever it is, and they look unprofessional. It's not their fault, but that's the way that it comes off. You know, when you have audio issues or conference room issues, it it uh, derails conversations. Um, I mean, there's 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 four or five other pieces. I would say one of the biggest ones is is data. <laughs> when if you want to collect telemetry information from your environment, i.e., if you want to if you want to ask your environment a question, right? Like, what firmware versions are you running, and are they affected by this CVE, right? Or you know, uh, are there more AV devices today than there were yesterday? Or you know any number of things. Oh, are are there default passwords configured on this Megan model of endpoint? You know, or you know, those kinds of things, or monitor you know okay. monitor SSL certificate expirations, or, or any any of those things that you might want to know about in an environment. Monitoring is a fundamental step because that's going to be that 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 system that gathers the telemetry and brings it in. And now you can start asking questions, right? You can set up alerts and notifications, mm -hmm. but you can also start asking broader questions. You can start getting information about how your systems are used, right? Not just not just sort of break fix information. The, the data is extremely valuable. Uh, and it happens all the time, especially in big companies. You know, get called into the CIO's office and you know uh, and they go, I need to know this information, right? And you go, okay. Uh, I have no idea how I'm gonna get that. You know, even something as simple as how many conference rooms do you have? Try answering that in a big company. It is not a simple question. <laughs> it's very difficult and it can involve okay. a lot of guesswork. So the data is extremely valuable because once you have the monitoring in place, like that's a known quantity now, right? You know exactly how many devices, you know exactly how many rooms you've got. You've got some constraints around it and you can start to do a lot with that information. So I'm, I'm still always baffled why it's not an easier sell uh, because these things come up all mm -hmm. the time. Is it because it's AV? Like if IT needed it, would it happen quicker? Yeah, it's interesting. Would it be more on the radar <laughs> if it was not in our domain? Well, you know, I, I think to provide some context, just from my worldview, right, I was IT. And so even then, it was a challenge being within the okay. IT organization. Again, only because it's it's not simple. It's not a simple implementation. It's complex. Uh, so. Is there risk involved in implementing it? Um, like, financial risk, usually. I mean, that's really what it comes down okay. to. You know, you're going to spend money on licenses. You got to try to pick some platform off the shelf, right? Because big enterprises, especially, that they they sure. they have monitoring teams, right? They have monitoring software teams internally. They have entire engineers that are doing this for their infrastructure. So a lot of mm -hmm. times they want you to get folded in, 
like use what we have. We already have an enterprise network okay. monitoring tool and an MSA. Can't your devices just get monitored by our stuff? Like, why do we need some other thing? What, you know, what's what's an MSA? Oh, oh, the master service agreement. Um, but yeah, in, okay. in the case of of these, yeah, the, these large um, uh, enterprises, you know, they they already have they already have these big solutions in place and they don't want to go break it out into some other like niche tool set that came out of the AV industry uh, to, right. to do the monitoring, right? They just want to use their over-the-counter enterprise solutions and, and it's it can be done. Um, it's it's complicated. It takes time. It takes really good resources. It takes a little different skill set than the AV industry typically has. It takes some programming skills. I mean, like, you know, like Python or, or you know, JavaScript or something, like some kind of... Uh, open source code tooling scripting skill set to go get data uh, and there's there's a lot of challenges that come into it i found that i don't know how that it's that it's a hard sell i think it's a hard it's hard for a lot of systems integration professionals to bring a solution that actually is comprehensive because there's not a lot uh, in the market that solves this need especially not in the av specific market that's where we shop as AV yeah. professionals, right? We're, we're shopping at right. Infocom, right? We're shopping uh, through our typical vendors. And most of what our typical vendors are offering are point solutions or solutions that require really heavy integration, um, like you know, changing out control systems, <laughs> all of your control systems to get data from systems or whatever it might be. It's, it's a lot. It's kind of unpalatable. Yeah. But it sounds like there still is opportunity there um, because... You know, as a AV programmer, control systems programmer, you're tasked with programming a system that will get built once. You know, you have that one system type, and it's really the same thing. It's it's a different UX, right? Your user is the support, not tech. But um, you still need to gather data or connect, send commands, and get responses to a bunch of different devices, and then aggregate them into something else. I mean, at its core, it sounds very similar to AV programming. It can be, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's it's a backend programming task, right? Like it's you're you're yeah. you're getting streaming telemetry data, or you're having to go request telemetry data from systems using uh, sometimes obscure interfaces or obscure encodings or whatever yeah. it might be, right? There's just the APIs are always a bit different, uh, and then can be very difficult to find. Uh, so even if you can do that. Right. Um, you know, across maybe you know many of your systems or some devices that just don't have an API. There's <laughs> a lot of them actually that just offer you right. no information. So you have to go maybe to a cloud source to get that data. Right now, you're not necessarily AV monitoring. Might not be talking to just a device. It might be talking to a device on the LAN. It might be talking to two different interfaces on that device, and it may also be talking to a cloud or a SaaS provider to get the rest of the information to flush out the model about mm -hmm. this device or this room or whatever yeah. it might be. Uh, the one benefit you have, in my opinion, is if you take sort of a templatized approach and say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach my system how to gather data from this, this set of APIs or this make and model or whatever you want, you know, this template, uh, then you only have to make that once and you get to reuse right. it, you know, just like drivers, you know, yeah. same, same kind of concept. Yeah. So there's definitely some economy of scale, especially for big enterprises where they have standards in place. It's a lot lower of a lift to yeah. get it in. And and had I known yeah. now what I you know had I known then what I know now I think I would have been able to get it done but it's taken many years just for me to gather the skills the tool sets and the industry knowledge mm -hmm. to actually be able to accomplish uh, the the task at hand. Sure. It sounds like 
for future projects, AV consultants could also bring more value to the table by not just specifying AV requirements, but also telemetry requirements. You know, can the device report its version numbers, firmware number? Can it uh, respond to a command that actually um, triggers it to go get an update from the cloud on its own um, and report different kinds of errors and things like that? That's part of device selection in my book, which you know is probably completely overlooked at the oh, beginning yeah. of a project. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So the, yeah. I mean, the, the goal is observability, right? It's, that's the, the the marker mm-hmm. you have to look at when you look at any device, any any API you're going to spec against, right? Because you know, mm-hmm. abstract it away from the in the device entirely. Is this system observable? Can I can I know everything I need to know, everything there is to know about this system or this device by listening to its external outputs? You know, listening to, asking questions, getting data back. Because if I can do that, right, this, then the system is inherently observable and you can get really great data out of it. If you can't do that, run away. Do not spec that thing because <laughs> you're, it's a black box. You're, it's a complete, uh, it's yeah. a black hole even, right? Like you're not going to get anything out of it. It's, <laughs> and that's not going to help you, you know, sure. down, down the road when you're trying to actually monitor. You can't monitor uh, systems that aren't observable. It's kind of fundamental. Yeah, absolutely. We talked a bit about you know the practical side of integration, um, and I guess in the ideal world, a device would support something like SNMP and report yeah. its data directly to the monitoring platform, whatever that is. And then there's this middle step where uh, at least choose an API that tells you something, and then you could write some middleware mm-hmm. software that will act as an intermediate between the monitoring and the end device. Once you have this data and this monitoring software running, what actually happens with it on a day-to-day basis? Like, what's the day in the life of a support knock tech? Yeah, that's a fascinating question. So I would say um, one thing that gets overlooked a lot when it comes to writing templates or or drivers to, to get telemetry data is that tied to the getting of data is the alerting around data. Right? So it doesn't do you any good if you're just mm-hmm. pulling it in. You have to tune your problem set around your template. You, you have to start to inform the monitoring system what does you know what are these what do these different states mean and where do we report as informational or error or warning or you know critical uh, alerts on these systems. And if there's a certain stage of alert on one device and then maybe no alerts on other devices in a given room, does that affect the service status of the room? So in, in IT monitoring, right, we, we you know talk about service monitoring, right? Service monitoring being sort of a, a you know okay, degraded or otherwise you know state of a complex set of systems that, that you know lie underneath it. Um, mm-hmm. And we have to think about AV monitoring the exact same way. So a room is service. That we're offering or that we're delivering yeah. and it has multiple components and you have to measure the health of those components and then present a service status and now once you have a service status you can present an sla right so a lot of what it comes down to is if you've done that if you've got your service statuses you've got sort of you started getting that tuned up right so that you're not getting a lot of false alerts uh, you've got uh, some SLA counting going on around hey you don't be guaranteed you know x or whatever across uh, all of your rooms and Here's what your SLA is sitting at right now. Side note, I would not offer an SLA on any AV monitoring at this point in the journey. 
go for an SLO. Don't don't put yourself in a position for clawbacks because you're not in control of most of it. Um, but you can certainly yeah. help reduce some of those metrics. And it's it's exactly what you might think a not team would be doing every day. You know, they've got uh, they got a ticket queue. They're taking calls. They're uh, have eyes on glass. And there's a mix of both, right? They see alerts, go troubleshoot, escalate, push them through the tiers until they resolve the issue. Open cases on behalf of their customers. Notify them when they're closed. Uh, I mean, you run just like a typical, you know, a typical IT knock team. So they may also need tools to troubleshoot and possibly repair. Absolutely. Well, you know, yeah, if you, you get the monitoring, right, uh, you know, there's an issue. It doesn't do you too much good if you can't then resolve the issue. So being able to then be able to remotely access that system, it's a huge challenge in the AV industry still uh, from a security perspective. So being able to remotely access the systems that you need and have auditability around who can access what and when and you know, all of those things, um, being able... And they'll need to understand what's going on, mm-hmm. right? Like, if it's a complex room, they'll have to open up a drawing and start dealing with signal flow. Yeah. So I'll have, they'll have to know what they're yeah, doing. Yep. So you now have the problem of uh, documentation, right? Knowledge base. Uh, like mm-hmm. like any knock or any, any IT service team, right? Uh, in, in service management, you have to have a centralized repository of information. And in AV, that information is everything that had to do with the implementation and the service sense, uh, which is something, I mean, in transparently, right? Like, I don't know anybody who really does this well. I'd love to see it if you do. Like, please, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. I would love <laughs> to see it and understand um, because it's a, it's something that's done fairly consistently with off-the-shelf tools on the IT side of the house, uh, but it's much harder to apply on the AV side, um, because our systems have lots of various configurations. They're fairly complex. They require proprietary tooling to manage those configurations, yeah. right? It's not just a Telnet or an SSH session. <laughs> you know, you've got it's not just JSON, sure. it's not YAML, it's not some standard format you can, you know, use declaratively. It's you know, giant encoded configuration files made with desktop software that only runs on Windows. Right, <laughs> it's a it's a big challenge. Yeah. So that's a it's also a big str- yeah. um, struggle, right? If you want to say you want to get into the business of providing an IT knock or an AD knock, right? You got a lot of challenges on your hands because uh, one, nobody. I, if I'm a customer, I don't want an integrator who only monitors their stuff. That doesn't do me any good, right? Mm-hmm. So you, we have to trans we have to transcend this concept of like oh I, we didn't put that room in it's not my problem right it's like no yeah, no no that's yeah, not how yeah. our customers work it's not how you build value for your customers you want to build right. value get in there and figure out how you can take over monitoring for every system in their environment how do you do it what would be the process mm-hmm. what would be the onboarding process how would you price it like thinking about those things so that you can actually deliver that single pane of glass i use air quotes uh experience to you know to the end customer because all they care about at the end of the day is my rooms are working you know, my rooms are right. working and not, I'm not getting, yeah. you know, lit on fire <laughs> because I'm having sure. outages at inopportune times, et cetera, and trying to go fix things. But yeah, you, you, it doesn't do you any good. They get the alerts, not be able to do anything about it. So you have to have the access. You have to have maybe some automated remediation capabilities as you start to grow, you know, the signatures of what common issues look like. You have to have deeper levels of access than you might have previously had. Maybe you need access to the customer's IPAM infrastructure. Um, for their, you know, IP address management or their, you know, their DNS even, because you might need to go flush the DNS entry or do put a new static entry in or, you know, do things like that if you really want to solve the problem yourself, which you'd need if you were SLA bound as much as possible. And you want to take as much 
of that into your in your hands as possible, which just means more deep integration with customers, deeper integration, deep, you know, messier, you know, uh, deeper growing roots into the customer's environment, because that's how we provide the service outcome at the end of the day of mm-hmm. keeping systems up and running. And you'll find, I think, a challenge in staffing. That's going to be one of the biggest issues I think you'll find trying to run an yeah. AD knock is you can get those tier one people. Um, and that's not the hard part, right? Taking the calls or seeing the initial alerts, that's not the hard part. Sure. It's now your tier two and your tier three teams in particular uh, are, those are hard people to staff. They got to know a bit about everything. It's very overhead intensive. Yeah. It scales in, you know, in starts. It's a bit challenging. Um, it can be done. There's a lot of great professionals out there in this industry that would love to work from home solving problems all day. Uh, but it, sure. you know, it's a, it's definitely a challenge if you wanted to go get into that. Wow. Cause it sounds like there's maybe a way to productize mm-hmm. this problem. You know, projects get programmed differently all the time. Who programmed this, who programmed that. And if we have that kind of customization all the time, it makes this monitoring problem. You know, how do you develop a template for something that's always different? Yeah. Uh, you know, I started the conversation talking about program management. And that sort of single, you know, one hand to shake. Mm. Uh, that's definitely not yeah. the uh, not the idiom we used uh, within the enterprise space. But that one hand to shake um, approach. That's what isn't it? Yeah, to show? That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, uh, that that approach is kind of fundamental to this. If you're working, especially with a bigger company, if it's one site, you know, whatever it is, or, you know, a smaller customer, twenty rooms, it's way more achievable. But when you're talking about global footprint, you almost have to have that infrastructure in place, either internally or outsourced, right? Like the other company I worked for is a good example. They had all those resources in-house, right? They had plenty. They had the entire program team in-house. They were incredible at it. Um, But if you have sort of that, you know, it's a top-down approach to your corporate audiovisual, right? And this, you could think of this the same way as if you're an integrator trying to offer this service. You know, you kind of have to offer it to all of your customers, right? And, and standardize it across. Mm-hmm. But if you can do that, then it all becomes about um, how do you make your life easier by taking over as much as you possibly can? Doesn't mean you have to reprogram everything. It means sometimes you're going to let a system yeah. age out before you get into the application layer of that, of that room. Okay. But you can still yeah. get device information. Because those those templates, even without a control system programming sort of middleware in the room, you can still train your IT monitoring platforms to get data from the devices, from you know, from Zoom, from Teams, uh, whatever other layers you might have, and still get a, a decent model, even if it's not the entire picture that you would want in a perfect world. We're coming up on time here. Do you have any advice on baby steps? Yeah. Because you know, we just said how big this problem yeah. is. How do we kind of dip our toe in the water in a in a useful way? Yeah. Wow. Um, so I would say of all the learning I did, of all the the teaching I had to do for myself, just sort of expanding my knowledge and trying to get my head around the problem. The most helpful learning came from uh, adding IT skills to my capabilities. Learning Python, learning Docker. Uh, you know, learning about learning about cloud and what cloud is. Learning about SSH. I mean, this isn't something I was super familiar with. It's like I open my Putty client, right, yeah. <laughs> and log into this yeah. device. Uh, but I'd rather use the desktop tool to do it. Right? It's like that's not that's not how all of IT works, 
uh, and understanding, you know, SSH, SSH keys, SNMP, uh, standardized interfaces and what those things can do for you. Uh, and then a little bit of programming savvy, a little bit of, of sort of developer savvy, you can get a lot done automating the standard interfaces of SNMP, you know, SNMP, Telnet, uh, SSH, REST APIs, HTTP APIs, uh, web crawling, right? Any of these ways you can get data off of an endpoint. It just takes a little bit of, of sort of programming smarts and some creativity to, to start getting data. So I would say get familiar with your devices. What data do they surface? Spec more devices that offer really comprehensive SNMP interfaces because SNMP is like mm. out of the box going to work incredibly for you. This is what everybody uses outside of you know outside of AV. It's a very simple. Any particular version or uh, you know that's a bit of a thing still. So you know VC yeah. is probably one of the most common that's out there still. V3 is making its way up because it's authenticated. Uh, certainly, if you're doing something net new, learn them all, but focus on V3 because you just you'll create technology okay. debt for yourself. Uh, if you you know if you don't because okay. uh, they're going to want that authentication interface, but I would just start with the sort of you know start understanding how monitoring works in the IT industry. Familiarize yourself with the tools mm -hmm. in the IT industry, in particular open source. Right, go look at what's free. Go look at what you can get off the shelf, and start start building the knowledge of how your devices work outside of the paradigm of AV. Think about management, not control, right? And start mm -hmm. pivoting your frame of view. That's that's what I would say is a is a great place to start and find other people who are trying to solve the same problem and talk to them. We'll be running into the same yeah, problems. For exactly. Sure. Great stuff, Fred. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing Oh, they that? can find me on LinkedIn. That's absolutely the best place to, to, to find me. And I'm really responsive to my messages. So uh, anybody who's interested in, in uh, getting into some of that and, and talking more about you know, monitoring and increasing your IT skill sets and uh, any anything along those lines, uh, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. Just search, you know, Frederick Lauks, uh, L-O-U-C-K-S. Uh, you'll you'll find me pretty quick. Excellent. Thanks a lot for uh, for the talk awesome. today. Awesome. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to Integrating Technology. If you have a moment, please consider going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. It really does help other AV professionals find us in the podcast world. Thanks. HTML5. The web browser is finally getting some attention in the AV systems integration market. And I say finally because I believe that the web browser is the most underutilized, undervalued, underappreciated technology of the past few decades. When you think of a browser, you think of going to websites. But actually, the web browser is a platform to run all different kinds of programs, including AV control and you don't need an internet connection. I'm in the middle of putting together some material to explain exactly how an AV user interface with HTML5 would work and to clear up some misconceptions about how to do it. And it's not easy, but if you're up for a challenge or if you're just curious about how it works so you could speak more intelligently about it, go to learnavprogramming.com slash HTML5 and get yourself informed.